Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee-Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Hello from the Runway Up listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Today we are going to talk about something that maybe you don't typically think of when you think of aviation. Yeah, it's charter flights. And charter flights can be a lot of things to a lot of groups. For example, there are charter flights that go out of here every day. It's a flight that you work with an airline to be able to go to and from a destination of your choice at the scheduled time you want to go. And an example of that for McGee Tyson is a charter flight to Atlantic City for a group of people who mm-hmm. want to go up for the weekend or a charter flight to go back and forth to the state capitol if you're working on some piece of legislation. So there's a lots of reasons to do charters, but today we're going to talk about something that's really close to our heart here in East Tennessee. Yep. Whenever I think of charters out of Mickey Tyson Airport, I think of the University of Tennessee and their athletic department and all of the charters that they host out of the airport. So we're going to be joined today by special guest David Elliott. He's with uh, the University of Tennessee, and he'll tell you about that in just a few minutes. But he is the one who's responsible for planning the trips for small teams to large teams like the football team for the university and getting them there either by rail or bus or our favorite, by airplane. So David, if you will start just by telling our listeners a little bit about you and your position here at UT. Sure. I am uh, the Associate Athletic Director for Event Management and team travel. I've been in the role since 1993. The title's been since about 2008. Our job in this office is to run all of the home athletic events, but I guess primarily what we're here to talk about today is our role in managing the team travel. Our office uh, oversees the football team travel. We've been doing that for a while, and we also oversee a lot of the uh, management of men's and women's basketball, in particular the postseason travel. So where we we get into the large group travel is where we step in and and manage the larger groups. So like the SEC travel and men's and women's basketball or any large group travel, football in particular, and bowl travel, we handle all of that. So we're, we're pretty uh, hot and heavy in here from end of July until first of June. So we, we like to kid in this office, we get about our 12 months in in about 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we pack it in, but it's a lot of fun. We have a, a ton of good people in here and we get to meet a, a ton of good people. And uh, we get to see a lot of interesting things and, and deal with a lot of interesting circumstances. And, and there, there's probably, in particular, working at Neyland Stadium, there's probably not a lot I haven't seen when, you know, when we're dealing with the uh, fifth largest city seven or eight times a year. It can get big and out of hand yeah, really well, quick, right? It, you know, <laughs> you, you 
prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. I say I'm never surprised, but even last weekend, I, I was surprised at some of the stuff I, I happened to witness. So, you know, we're, we're very blessed here in East Tennessee, and I mean that with all seriousness. We are a big proponent of being a uh, family operation, and uh, that goes all the way from our partners with the Airport Authority, Delta Airlines, and at Neyland Stadium. With managing over 100,000 people, we have great partnerships, and What's amazing to me is whether it is the people at the airport authority or if it's the the people at Neyland Stadium, whoever it is, it's, if it's a usher, a ticket taker, or a police, a medic, I love the fact that that's their little part of being a part of Tennessee football or Tennessee athletics. That's their way of contributing, hopefully, to a Tennessee football or Tennessee Lady Vol win or a Tennessee basketball win. And they go above and beyond without us having to ask more than once or they step up to the plate and it means that much to be a part of Tennessee athletics. So um, I go around and uh, I, I can hop on an airplane and go with our football team or go into these other venues and I see the the struggle that other places have to get cooperation, and we simply have to ask. So we're, we're very fortunate that the great people of East Tennessee and the and the people that we deal with embrace and love Tennessee athletics. So I'm the lucky person that just has to simply rope people together and put them in the right place at the right time. Well, and for the purpose of today's podcast, we're going to talk about how you wrangle those people together for charter flights, for travel. Right. So how you do it for the entire athletic department, different types of teams. You've got football teams, softball teams, basketball teams, different team sizes, swim teams, small, large. How do you determine the travel for each of those groups? Yeah, well, it, it really starts well in advance. We have to go out and put our contracts in place first and foremost. So we have, we have different contracts in place for different groups. We go out and put it in place, hopefully for five year periods, and we put that in through our purchasing department and get that set up. And very long story short is we have several contracts in place to where we have multiple options to go out and look where these teams are traveling, what their time constraints are, what the distances they are traveling, and really what times during the week they're traveling, and try and marry that up and see if it meets financially, economically, and within their class schedule, how we can do this and make it a most beneficial experience for everyone involved. And we have to do that within our monetary constraints and also what's best for the athlete. So there is a little give and take right there. You know, we're not going to shoot for the moon every time and send a 15-person team via charter out to the west coast that just doesn't make sense but you know if we have a substantial amount of people and it's economical enough that it does make sense we may put a you know 60 person or above group going out to the west coast because we it it just makes sense to do certain things where we really try and look at making the sense of things is in particular we want to get student athletes back after an event during the course of the week and get them back in a timely manner. So we may even mix up trips. Like they may bus to a location or fly commercially to a location, and we may charter them back just like if it's late Sunday 
we want to get them back in a reasonable time so they're ready to go to class the next day. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's a lot of, you know, we're looking at cost on the front end, back end, anywhere in between. So it could be a bus over, it could be a flight commercially over and a charter back or somewhat in between. Football is going to be a little bit different. We're dealing with the football team with nearly 180 to 200 people on a charter at any given time. So a little bit different. We will bus to Kentucky and Nashville. We will fly Delta primarily everywhere else. It's just that much of a big operation. And Delta's chosen because that's the existing contract that you had. You mentioned yeah, you we, had to and do we've that. been with Delta since Delta's come on scene with the charter operation. They were in place, wow, since before I took over. They've been with us since the beginning. We're one of their top two or three teams, and we're still with them. So we've been with them since the onset of their charter program. We're happy to be with them. The charter business is getting to a point where big aircraft are getting few and far between now. So we're happy to be with a a provider that's steady, Eddie. Yeah, and still has the 200 seats ability or capacity to do that. And that can do that. Now, we don't use necessarily all 200 seats. If you know football players, they're, you know, up where around 320, 340 pounds sometimes. So uh, some of those seats are killed in between so the big boys can spread out a little bit. But we do need that size aircraft so we have that capability. We do spend the effort on football charters to ensure that we get to where we need to get in a timely manner and provide them the excellent service that we need. Football's our breadwinner that manages the whole budget for the athletic department. So we need to make sure that that entity is taken care of, and that's never changed. That's throughout college football. But they fly a a quality provider with Delta, and, and we have had nothing but excellent service with them. Going back to your original question, all of that stuff with that program, we start working on after we get the bid process done. It's usually early February. Then we start building our scheduling out. They'll get our football schedule in about that early February time. Then we start mapping out what we want to do, meaning our departure times, probably about two or three months out. That's kind of when we start getting into the details of our charter program how we want to manage our trips themselves, who's going on the trip from that two- to three-month time frame. That's when we're kind of getting into the nuts and bolts of it. You know, we're leaving at such and such time. We still won't know the game time. You know, for the Florida game, we didn't know until last week. Yeah, two weeks. Or yeah, you week don't know two. until mm-hmm. about 12 days out what the game time is. So we, you're planning without knowing any of you just the We don't know the go. game time, but we know when we want to leave on the Friday, Friday before. before. So. Mm-hmm. What we try and do is get into a typical Friday routine, so we're consistent on the Friday portion. We try and leave at a time every Friday that gets us into the destination city at the same time, so it's comparable to our Friday routine in Knoxville. Right. So we're trying to get some continuity of what we're doing. So Less disruption for the team, too. Right. You try and keep your Friday routine as consistent as possible. But it's a big operation. I don't want to say we're a military operation, but you try and treat it like a, a military operation where we are. We have five buses. Everybody's got an assigned bus they go to. Everybody's 
got to get their luggage on a on the proper bus. We're somewhat similar to a commercial flight to where we have to do passenger screening. That went into effect after 9-11. But what we try and do to expedite things here in Knoxville in particular, which, again, great cooperation here locally, for our non-football staff people, we've worked it out with the local airport authority, our Delta people and the TSA we send our non-football folks out to the airport, get them screened through like you're a commercial passenger, and we pre-board them on the aircraft. We will do our football team. They will practice in the indoor football complex, and we bring the screeners out to the football facility, screen them at the indoor football complex, board the buses, and then they just go straight plane side and hop on the airplane. So everything we do kind of has a purpose just to expedite our outbound departure. So the people that go to the airport are already pre-boarded and waiting on the football team. Football team comes, they board the aircraft, and then hopefully we're outbound and heading towards Gainesville like we are this weekend. When we land, all the luggage should be sorted underneath the aircraft. It's put on the proper bus, and we're heading to the hotel. So... A lot of moving parts, but knock on wood, it it goes the way we want it to. Well, and you mentioned routine, very important. You also mentioned before we were uh, live here on our podcast that you've had the same flight attendants for years and years. So that has to really add. Yeah, it gives us a comfort level. Mm -hmm. They know our routine. We have catering on the plane. You know, we have a seat chart. So everybody that boards the plane, it's just not a, it's not a hodgepodge. Our, Our office works with the football staff. So everybody gets on the airplane, we'll have a seat to go to. So it's not 180 people just crapshoot to where they're yeah. going. Yeah, <laughs> rush. Exactly. Can you see that? Yeah, no, well, with 300-pounders tripping, oh, we don't need yeah. that to happen. I think they'd win if they want that uh, yes, seat. Yes, <laughs> I think they would, too. Or everybody would be fighting for the first-class seat. Yeah, they so. would, yeah. But, you know, we give the flight attendants our seat chart. They know who's sitting where. They know what to look for. For example, we don't want the players getting soft drinks, you know, something silly like that. But they know those little nuances and details, and they know who's to get what catering when we come on the aircraft. They know where the coaches are sitting just in case any issues arise or who to ask for questions. But, again, just like you mentioned, that familiarity with our program, they've been with us so long. They know what our expectations are. And it just gives us a comfort level. And quite frankly, we've had several of the same pilot crew. It's interesting. The pilots get to bid on trips, get a lot of Tennessee alums that fight to get the bid sheets for uh, flying our charter. Oh, that makes so, you feel good. They well, want good. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's good to have a little orange and white up in the cockpit and, 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 and <laughs> flying us somewhere. Safer, it, well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we also talked uh, about how there's other teams that you represent right. and do that. Do you do it for both men and women's athletics? And yeah, I know they've moved everything under so one we're umbrella. Under, un, under one umbrella now. And, and, and we're lucky now, too, because our business office is really stepping up and helping with that. So we have we have three charter groups that, that kind of manage our our charter trips. So that gives us a hodgepodge of options to choose from for all of our sports. We can pick from 30-seat aircraft to 50-seat aircraft to 70-seat aircraft, all the way up to whatever Delta can get to 
in their size, which is, you know, probably a couple hundred. Yeah, several hundred. Whether it's a volleyball or a soccer team that may only need a 30-seat aircraft to go to uh, Columbia, Missouri or something like that, all the way, you know, to the men's and women's basketball team that typically in the past has done 50 to 70 seat aircraft. And this year, I think we're working with trying to work with Delta on their program. They've gotten back into the fold. So it gives us a lot of flexibility with aircrafts of various size to get them where they need to go in a timely and safe manner. But also with that flexibility, you have to look at some of these little pockets of cities that we're going to, you know, Oxford, Mississippi, you know, Delta can't fly into there. My buddy at uh, Delta, he he kind of kills me for this all the time, but you can't fly mainline Delta aircraft into Athens, Georgia. So you have to use smaller aircraft. Even with Delta, their biggest aircraft, like we normally fly, we can't fly that into there. So we have to take two smaller Delta aircraft in and out of Athens. With the program that we have, we have a, a lot of flexibility to be able to get our student athletes around where we need to and and not only jet service but uh, turboprop service that can also help reduce some cost going into some of these smaller places that some budgets are not quite up to like a men's and women's basketball so it, it just makes sense to do some of these things for certain teams but still when you can't get a commercial flight out of some of these little pockets of areas certain times of the day like a late sunday night and you want to get them back for class that gives us great flexibility to help these teams get back and get them in the classroom the next day well and you mentioned that you've been doing this for a little while too long (laughs) (laughs) and so tell us a little bit about those trips that just stand out in your mind that maybe went really well or you had to adapt maybe in 2005 with LSU well we we were talking about (laughs) about some of the fun trips but the the LSU trip really did stand out obviously in 2005 uh, the poor folks in Baton Rouge were dealing with Hurricane Katrina and the whole town of Baton Rouge was basically a refuge for the folks of New Orleans. They were really struggling just with infrastructure and, and trying to put on a football game really should have been the last thing on their plate. But long story short, they had our football game coming up. We were going to be their first football game. And then another storm blew up on them the weekend we were supposed to play down in Baton Rouge. The totality of the situation was FEMA and the whole state of Louisiana had really eaten up every hotel room in the state of Louisiana. So we had no hotel rooms. They were still wanting us to try and play a football game after this second storm came through. They pushed our game back to Monday, and as luck would have it, the hotel in Baton Rouge was the sister property of the hotel that we stay at here locally in Knoxville. So we did have good contacts here. Still, we were fighting tooth and nail with the conference office. We don't need to be going down there. Didn't get much help there. The weather pushed the game and pushed the game and pushed the game back to finally a Monday night game and said, y'all have to get down there. And we're like, well, we have no hotel rooms. Will LSU... They need to give up their hotel, so we have at least hotel rooms. They didn't push that issue hard enough. 
So again, we're stuck literally with no hotel. So what we ended up doing is working out and negotiating with the hotel that we had good relations with because they own both properties. We worked it out. If we flew down Monday morning, if they could work with the FEMA teams that were staying in the hotel while they were gone during the day, if they could clean and turn and get the hotel sleeping rooms for at least our coaching staff and the 35 player rooms that we needed so we could get our kids off our feet during the day and just while we weren't meeting and eating and let them have time then we would fly down early that morning meet eat get our kids off their feet we would try and play the game that night and we ended up pulling that off I think the game, if I remember right, went into overtime. It did, I think. And I think the, uh, I think the orange and white won that day, <laughs> if I remember right. I remember just walking out of the locker room with Coach Fulmer and I think he and I were shaking our heads how we pulled that one off. And, uh, <laughs> but somehow, you know, he was really, really great about it. And again, you know, you look at these things, you look back and they're challenges, that was a big challenge. We didn't get a whole lot of cooperation or help from certain areas, but we got a ton of help from certain people that helped us to pull it off. We probably wouldn't be talking about this story now if we had lost, but we were lucky <laughs> enough to lucky enough that we won, and it, it turned out being a great story. We won in overtime, and we partied like hell coming back on that <laughs> Delta airplane. <laughs> well, and did you fly back that night, or did we flew as a day trip? So you, know, you flew wow. down there, flew stayed down, in a hotel room for down. a few hours, and then flew back. Flew back. Oh my goodness! Wow. So speaking of other big wins, the national championship yeah. game. So tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a lot of fun. That was a lot of preparation. We had three huge charters that went out um, for the national championship. So that was after the 1998 season. Great year to remember. Going out to uh, Tempe, Arizona, flying into Phoenix, we had three massive charters. We had, I think, couple of planes that held over 300 people each and then a fourth one that held a 747 that we had for the band that held over 450 people so the vols travel when we go big we We travel so we (laughs) we were we were maxed out so our overall travel party to the phoenix tempe and scottsdale area were 1500 people and we got them out there got them back didn't lose a bag that whole trip we were a little the night after the national championship game, none of us slept. We stayed up, celebrated a, what capped off an amazing season. But again, it's not me. It's a team of us that worked on it, worked diligently on it, had great partners with Delta. We have super, super, super cooperation. Delta puts an onboard coordinator with us that we couldn't get it done without. That person is like our little brains on board that we can reach out to and does a lot of logistical things for us but when you're talking moving 1500 people it takes a small army to do it and our team here at UT is is great again it just goes back to what I said at the beginning of this conversation we get people involved early and we build the relationships with people and to me that's been the key to all of this is the communication the relationships that we've developed over the years 
we totally rely on the people that are experts in their world. You know, we've been blessed that great people are are super in their areas of what they do and lucky that they love us enough to, to go the extra mile for us. And we just have little angels that look after Tennessee football and Tennessee athletics and we do our part. I'm not saying that, but we have a lot of lot of really, really super people in the Knoxville and surrounding area and, and throughout with our partners, including, I keep harping on Delta, but that's kind of the gist of this. But Delta has been a superb partner to us throughout the years and couldn't be more proud of our relationship with those guys. So we did our research on your bio before we came, and it also says that, so not only are you responsible for UT athletics, but then you also help with opposing team charters. Is that right? So we do help when visiting teams come to town. We help manage all of their inbound logistics. So, Like you're not busy enough. Well, that's, <laughs> that's just part of our uh, my big job on a day-to-day basis is home game event management. When a visiting team comes to town, whether it's, you know, Alabama, you know, Georgia, they'll be inbound with a couple of planes coming in from Athens. We help coordinate all of their logistics. So whether it's their needs for credentials, parking, helping them get around town. So we help coordinate offering our connections up with the the local Delta people. We manage their team escorts, so once they land, you know, we help provide getting them around from point A to point B and, and, you know, getting them around, navigating them, really anything and everything they need while they're in town, that falls back on us. But, But again, it's a great thing. It's very reciprocal. When we go somewhere, there's a David Elliott at Florida, there's one at Alabama, and we have those relationships. Sad thing is, I'm probably the oldest one in the league doing it now, <laughs> but, but lucky amongst us, we, we're not the ones fighting on the field, so we all have great relationships, and those guys, you know, I had a conference call with the folks at Florida today, and they're very gracious in how they look out and take care of us, just like last year we took care of their football team coming into town so it's a very reciprocal relationship again that's how this sec stuff works and that's the way we want it at least the way we provide it here at tennessee so not only do you deal with charter flights and commercial flights but you mentioned that you also get to work with some military aviation for some flyovers can you talk about that our stadium is named after general neyland so when you go back and look at the history, there is a strong tie to Tennessee athletics and the military. We take a lot of pride in, in working with the military. We even have an empty seat that we dedicate in Neyland Stadium to missing in action people. So a lot of pride in Neyland Stadium for the military. But getting back to the flyovers, we try and do as many as we can accommodate a year. So our part in this is we work closely with the flyover crew Believe it or not, we have to do a request for the flyover. They typically ask us if they can do a flyover. So a a unit will come, and we've got date A, B, or C. This is our preference, and we see if it matches up to a game that works for us. If it does, then I fill out paperwork and have to run it up through the military flagpole, and then I have to also run it through the FAA protocols to get approval. Once that's all... I's dotted, T's crossed. Every Tuesday, we have a probably about three or four game operation meetings. The culmination of that is is we are doing a game production stuff is the big one. 
that gives them the timings of when we need them flying over the stadium. We need you over at 1230 or whatever it happens to be. And our flyover is basically at the culmination of the national anthem every time. So it can't be like around 1230. Like, no, right. we need well, you at. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sure at you guys. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and our band is so precise. Oh, yeah. During these game production meetings, we have about three timesheets that we go through. And the band will step off at 1430. The national anthem will start at 1230. And then they even break it down to such and such. And then the national anthem concludes at such and such time. Time of day, time on the game clock. So we give them such and such. This is your window. (laughs) Correct. So we give them that on Tuesday. We bring the flyover crew to our meetings. Then we say we would like for you all to do a practice run. Literally a flyby. A flyby. Uh, Just a little flyby. And what we do during those flybys is we want them to be able to establish their communication more than anything. We will meet them at the stadium and we literally will take them up to the roof of the stadium and they can see the airplanes coming in, but they can also see the game clocks on the field. They can communicate. They can see the band stepping off. They can see the time measurements. They can have the time of day, communicate. We can all stay in touch. So that's the typical Friday routine. We'll hand off their game credentials, their parking passes. Next day, hopefully, good Lord willing, Yeah. flyby went great. We'll have that same crew up on the roof, the communication team, They'll have it live time, and we try and marry it up and do the flyby. Then what we do is we'll provide a police escort for the group. We go and pick them up at the air base. We'll provide a police escort and bring them back to the stadium for the crew that actually flew, the guy that was up on the roof with us. We bring him down to the field, meet the flyboys that did the flyover, And we will present them on the field as part of our on-field presentations and let them be recognized for for the service Mm -hmm. that, you know, not only for that date service, but just for their military service. So we take a lot of pride in, in not only that moment, but for just their military service. And most of the guys that typically request the service for the flyovers, guess what? They're alumni. There you go. (laughs) Tennessee folks typically requesting it. So we typically try and throw a little uh, orange swag on underneath their uh, fly suits, and they'll typically like to wear that loud and proud. They do. If someone is interested and wants to do the kind of things you do. Don't do do it. No, just kidding. (laughs) How do do they do that? You know, most of the people uh, nowadays, and they there really wasn't much of a program when I was coming through school, but a lot of the people nowadays come up through the sports management program. We have a ton of kids and we actually work a ton of the kids through our uh, office and it's a great opportunity. And and I think most schools have that now. So we really put to use a lot of the kids. So if you're interested in sports and, and not necessarily even event management like what we do, but It's a great opportunity if you're interested in sports or some avenue in sports, and we encourage a lot of kids, even if you're not interested in my end of the world, but my end of the world touches every end of the world 
it touches sports information, touches marketing, touches facilities. I mean, on a game day, we call ourselves town hall. It all has to come in through us, and then we kick it back out. So we tell our kids, you're going to get a taste of everything. So if, if we're not your cup of tea in here, you're going to probably find something you like in sports just from sitting in our office. But that's the same in the event management or the sports management program that most colleges offer nowadays. And and we tell kids, you know, if you do get in that program, and we really harp on it on our students in here, go out and work the events or volunteer to work the events and work as many different events as you can. Because one, you may stumble upon one of these events that catches your eye or tickles your fancy a little bit. And the other part of that, too, is working all these multitude of different events. You never know who you may meet. And I've got so many kids that have worked in here now that are doing far greater things than I thought about doing. I mean, it's amazing. And that's just from, not from what I've taught them, it's just from them being in here and and having the ability to make great contacts just from being in here. So, you know. It's nothing they learned from me, I can tell you that much, but they've had a good opportunity to meet and greet and rub elbows with some really neat people. Oh, well, and one thing you mentioned too that you had a big part of was the Battle of Bristol. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure your students learned a lot. Yeah, that you know, actually that was a, that was a really great experience for uh, a lot of our kids. We took our whole office up there. From our standpoint, that was about 24 months in the making great experience that was a uh, a huge huge endeavor we had you know the world's largest college football game but great experience a couple of us from bristol and myself really had to sit down two years prior to the game and we had to figure out a way to turn a racetrack and that venue into a college football venue clearing out all of their stuff and and then it turning into a football stadium and all the intricacies that football requires versus NASCAR in a three week period. You know, in so between their races. Right after their last race in August and then our football game in September, we're talking a multitude of electrical needs and laying down a football field, converting buildings into locker rooms converting really sky boxes into radio booths, coaches boxes where the football coaches would sit. We had two years of planning came down to a three-week period and it was pretty intense and then you know we still had a home football game to put on before that so we were ping-ponging back and forth I was still managing going up to Bristol was still a road trip for us because we had to stay at a hotel. Yeah. So I I wasn't sure what day of the week it was (laughs) after a certain point in time, but I've mentioned it probably three or four times already. What great resources Tennessee has. We took a small army of people up, up from the university, our facility services team, the university's facility services team, our turf management people our sports information department, my office. We literally took what it takes to run Neyland Stadium and took that team and embedded it up at Bristol Speedway and worked with their great staff to pull off running a football game at Bristol. That's a lot of 
stuff happening. A lot of moving parts. Yes. But Bristol did a lot of due diligence. And what I mean by that is in those two years leading up to it, not only were we going up to them and coaching them up, they came down here and shadowed us. And they listened to us when we said, shadow our people, follow this electrician. Just these little silly things that really aren't silly. They're important. Follow this person. Follow that person. And they took it to heart. You know, it ended up producing quite the spectacle for 156,000 people one September evening. Turned out great. You did it. We did it. You did it. I don't know if I want to do it again. (laughs) You did it. Well, thank you so much for allowing us to take a little bit of your time today. And hopefully our listeners have gotten a lot of information about event management and sports management and how you pull it off with charter service through McGee Tyson and through other airports around the Southeast. So thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of From the Runway Up. We hope that we gave you some behind-the-scenes access to what goes on at airports across the United States and here at McGee Tyson Airport. More importantly, show us that love and give us some ratings and reviews and let us know what you would like for us to dive into in the future. And also make sure you subscribe so that you know when our next episodes will be coming out because we have some great things planned for this next year. 